Our text number is 53106. That will cost you 30 cents. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email to afternoon at newstalk.ie. And just to let you know, uh, before I forget uh, that the show will be coming to you uh, from the Clayton Hotel in Ballybrit, just outside Galway City, uh, tomorrow afternoon at Sport. The Connacht Tribune and the Galway City Tribune, uh, we will be on air as usual from half one. All the usuals will be there. Paolo will be there. So if you'd like to come along and perv Paolo Tulio, uh, now's your chance. Our guest in the studio, I'm afraid you can't pa- uh, perv him. In, in, in because he's wearing his bicycle shorts so you'll probably enjoy it. Uh, it's a TV vet, Pete Wedderburn. Pete, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Sean. Uh, we were actually talking about, I think the last time you were in, we were talking about the animal welfare bill and, yeah. and it seems to be have, uh, making a bit of progress. It's, it's trickling along. Now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's past the early stages. It's into the final stages. It certainly should be completed and signed off by the President by the end of this year. So, like, it's a big deal because it's the first new animal welfare legislation since 1911. And if you think back to 1911, well, people didn't really keep things like um, dogs and cats and hamsters and gerbils and parrots and like pets were a rarity in those days and so the legislation really? the legislation yeah. legislation is completely out of date it's more aimed at things like um, draft horses pulling carts around than yes. it is, than it is um, the modern world do you know and when did people start keeping pets then? well they, they, they've always kept them I suppose they've mm. always kept them but they haven't kept them in the same numbers as they have now mm. yeah. like you know there's a huge number of ha- something I don't, I don't know what statistics are but something at least one in three households will have a pet mm. um, which it's a lot of people um, and so Certainly, uh, that wasn't the case in the past. No, no, certainly not the case in the past. But, but by the end of the year, the, the hope is it should, be, new it should become law. And the, the basic point that people should take home is that um, up till now, what we've had is a passive um, duty of care towards animals. In other words, you mustn't hurt them. Hmm. Whereas what's going to happen is we're going to have an active duty of care. That means that not only must you not hurt them, but you're obligated to care for them properly. So you have to provide them with food. You have to provide them with the right sort of environment to live in. Um, you mustn't let them get fat, for example. Yeah. You're going to be obligated to look after them properly. And that's, that's a big change. Uh, actually, in terms, especially dogs getting fat, yeah. is a lot of that to do with just giving them leftovers from dinner. So you're just not giving them the right sort of food. It's it's no, it's basically volume. It's just giving them too much. <laughs> <laughs> because a dog, a dog's a bit like a goldfish. He'll still keep eating them. He acts like he's hungry even after his immediately after his dinner. Well, that's how dogs have evolved. Like they, they when they find a, a, a feel like a kill, they eat as much as they possibly can because they might not get another feed for about another week or something. Mm. So they're designed to eat as much as possible to meet to eat everything in front of their nose. And so if you give them everything they want to eat, well, they'll just keep on eating. Uh, yeah. Just keep on eating. And then they get fat. Um, and it, it, it really causes a huge problem. Um, it's, it's like with humans, it causes significant diseases like arthritis, heart disease, diabetes, and these are increasingly common in, in dogs. Whenever I diagnose a dog with arthritis, it's probably at least twice a week, the first thing to say to owners usually is control your dog's weight because that has more effect on improving the dog's condition than any medication. Yeah, it's, it, my kids have a dog uh, um, uh, and they're kind of more aware of, of the weight issue now because he's only got three legs. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of his back oh, legs yeah. is missing. Uh, right. We can't find it anywhere. Uh, no, we, we got him that way. Uh, um, but, but, but he's like, you know, he'll have his dinner and then 10 seconds later he's acting like, you know, you've starved him to death. You know, he's... Oh. Some, yeah, but Sean, to some extent you train a dog to be like that. If your dog learns, gets its dinner and that's it, finished, mm. then they'll not carry on looking for it. It's only if you give them treats that they come looking yeah, for Yeah, well, it. no, I don't. And it, Well, I, I'm in the process. He, he still doesn't quite understand what feck off this is my dinner means. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, but they're very, we have to be very aware of the weight because... 
If he yeah. gets fat, he's only got one leg to put it all on, and and that's like so a, lot pre- a lot of pressure on yeah, the joints. It's bad enough on the one leg as it is, you know. It uh, is. Uh, Which leg's missing? Uh, his back right leg is missing. Right, yeah. Well, he came from a shelter. He had some sort of infection before, and they had to amputate. I mean, he's, he's perfectly happy. Bones around the place. Dogs can do really well on one leg. Funny enough, yesterday I had a dog in that, that has no use of back legs at all and it goes around in a wheelchair all the time wow and it's got wheels instead of back legs it had an unusual injury of its lower back which means that it still has some um, you know it's not completely incontinent mm. so the owners can manage it quite well but it just can't walk it's a golden retriever type dog and it just drags its back legs around so it's got a custom designed wheelchair and it whizzes around the place on its wheels quite happily full of the joys of life in that kind of a situation is there where do you go to get if somebody comes in with a dog with mm-hmm. that condition, where do they go to get the wheelchair made? Well, you, you get them to, um, basically you buy them on the internet. Yeah. You, 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 um, if you go, to, if you if you like, just Google wheelchair for a dog. Um, there's websites and they tell you how to measure up your dog, and um, you send off the, the fill in the form, send off the money, and um, wheelchair arrives in post. <laughs> wow. That's, well, I suppose yeah, I just asked a stupid question, and it's per, uh, I suppose obvious. How much would a, how much would a dog doggy wheelchair? Quite expensive, I think. Oh, I so. You wouldn't be, get much yeah. change out of a grand, really. You know, really. Yeah. Wow. But if you want to know about um, happy dogs and wheelchairs, there's a lovely dog called Molly the Trolley Collie, um, and she, she's on <laughs> Facebook. And I, I met her once just by accident over in Limerick, and she lives in the west of Ireland. And she's a, a lovely dog, and she, she, she tears around the place in her little wheelchair. There's not many dogs on wheelchairs. No, there's um, not really. But, no. but, but but they're out there and they're enjoying life is that because perhaps if if um, if the, if the back, they weren't able to use the back legs anymore that there was an assumption that they should be just put down well that's the traditional assumption yeah. and, and, and sometimes that's the right decision mm. sometimes but there are some dogs that have particular injuries that mean that they can you know once their back legs are supported they can manage perfectly well and, and I suppose if yeah, if they're if they're not incontinent that's probably the key the, the incontinence is, is always an issue and owners have different levels of how much they can put up with um, as far as that's concerned some some people are quite happy to change a, a nappy on their dog regularly mm. other people would feel they would say that's not fair yeah yeah uh, are doggy wheelchairs covered by insurance uh, uh, Lorna wants to know well that, you'd have to talk to your insurance company yeah. because they, I, I think they I would say they ought to be because if it's a grand you know you, you'd, uh, it'll cost you a few bob to get it fixed or replace it if, well, uh, if it, it does get breaking it's, it's, a, it's a very high spec um, item you can also get a thing called a, a bag like this dog in the house, it wouldn't have its wheelchair because that kind of bash off things. What happens is they, they fit this bag around its midriff, a bit like a sleeping bag, mm. and um, only it's not sort of insulating. Obviously, it goes around the dog's waist and then stops the feet dragging on the floor. It allows the dog to slip around the place like a like a great big slug or something. <laughs> <laughs> it works really well. God, I must love to see one of them. Uh, how will the new act affect exotic pets such as snakes, crocodiles, etc.? Porik and Carla wants to know. Well, how it will affect them is that people will be obligated to look after them properly. Yeah. And, and, and there's a really big issue with people not caring for these animals properly. A lot of the disease, a lot of the problems people have with these exotic animals relate directly to the fact that their husbandry is poor because people don't know what they're doing. Mm. So people will be legally obliged to look after them properly. Now, how you enforce that is a good question. Like, are the guards going to knock on the door and say, hey, you feed that terrapin properly? I don't think so. Yeah. But I think if if there's gross abuse of animals, people, you know... um, animals suffering significantly because they're not being looked after properly well the, the, the guards will have the authority and the and the ISPCA animal welfare groups or you know the um, what they call authorised officers they'll have the legal power to take action 
Oh, right, that's interesting. I can't, because I was going to ask you that because, in the, you know, the reality is they'll probably, the animal welfare groups, the DSPCA and the likes, are the ones who'll be doing the bulk of the investigating into these kind of situations anyway. It's, there is a technical term called authorised officers and those will be the people who will, they, they'll do the work on the behalf of the guards. Really, yes. To, to, yeah. to, because they'll be the experts and the, they'll know what, how the law works. And, and if, if, if an animal were to be taken off a person or indeed if a person mm. to be arrested, though, then that's when the guards come in. They, they work together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, the, uh, this, there's an interesting story uh, today, uh, or actually it's from a few days ago, uh, that owners can give, and this is the time of the year when people get a lot of colds and stuff. Yeah. And it actually it never occurred to me before that you can give colds to your pets. It's pretty uncommon. I saw there was a bit in the paper about yeah. that where they said that in, in the States... Um, 13 cats and one dog caught the H1N1 virus from their um, from their owners. Mm. It went the other way. The virus went the other way. Now, I'd, I'd put that into perspective and say that's 14 animals um, in two years in that's the States. That's not a lot, no, In the States, too. where there's like yeah. millions and millions of people. So the risk is exceptionally small, and I wouldn't want people to be overreacting to anything like that. I, I guess the thing is that if you have a dreadful dose of something, you know, just as you wouldn't sort of um, welcome your whole family into your bedroom, you, you shouldn't really welcome your pets into your bedroom either. It makes sense to have a little distance there. That's an interesting thing. This is yeah. kind of a bit like, uh, because a lot of people do that, the dog's in the bed. Yeah, they, um, they do. But but when you're really sick, then you just, you know, you're better to suffer in isolation rather than, than, than bringing in living creatures beside you, just in case of that small risk. It's not a big risk. I wouldn't want folks to get too fussed about this. Mm. Like, the chance of a problem are, is, is minuscule. Minuscule. Yeah. But still. Uh, but as a general rule, should you let dogs sleep in the bed? I, I, I think... I'd I think be a gamer for myself. I, I, I'm trying to put words in your mouth here. It's bitch, a so. personal thing. Like... <laughs> For me, no. I don't want a dog in the bed. I want, I'm happy to have a cat on the end of my bed. I like that. Yeah. A bit of reassuring warmth on top of your feet through the duvet. It's quite nice, that. I like that. Mm-hmm. But dog inside the bed, under the covers, not for me. No, that's Other weird. people want to do it. Well, you know, that's their choice. And I, I don't see it. there's a great deal wrong with it. In fact, there's nothing wrong with it at all, as long as... Um, you know, as, as long as the animals are healthy and as long as the people are healthy, then mm. fine. Uh, we'll take a break. We have to chat more with Pete after this. Actually, because we were talking about uh, uh, humans sometimes passing on uh, uh, ailments to their animals. Uh, you wanted to say something about uh, dentistry in dogs, well, so dental is, health of dogs. It's another one of those areas where people, I think, sometimes think that other people humanise dogs too much. Because I would be saying, for example... Um, you should brush your dog's teeth every day. That sounds kind of extreme. Mm. Uh, I bet you don't brush your dog's teeth. No, you're right there. I yeah. don't. No. And and if you ask people, there's a, sur- a survey was done that showed that 90% of owners wrote that, rated their dog's teeth as good or perfect. Whereas in actual fact, um, other studies that have been done have shown that four out of five dogs over the age of three have got significant periodontal disease, like gum disease. Mm. And and that um, there's a myth that dog's teeth are somehow self-cleaning, that by eating, just they keep their teeth clean. But that's not true. They don't get dental decay like we do, yeah. from sugar and so on. But what they do get is they do get the build-up of plaque and then tartar on their teeth. And that then causes the gums to be pushed back. And in the long term, it causes very serious um, dental disease, which can go on to, to lead to heart disease and kidney disease and other things like that. And there's a correlation between dogs with healthy teeth living for longer. So what it really means is that people ought, whether it's whether it sounds weird or not, they ought to look after the dog's teeth in a similar way 
to the way they look after their own teeth. And that does mean the best answer is to brush their dog's teeth every day. Not for long. I'm not talking about sort of 10 minutes of scrubbing or anything like that. You know? <laughs> Bit of flossing. <laughs> flossing hasn't come in yet. But one, one thing I wanted to mention, though, is that next month, um, there's a focus on this area. It's, it's, it's called Pet Dental Care Month. So for the month of November, you'll be able to go into vets around the country and get a free dental check in your dog. The vet will look at your dog's teeth, show you whether there's dental disease or not, and they won't charge you for doing that. So people should be aware of that. That's coming up in November. It's one of those unrecognised problems, do you know? Mm. Um, it's it's not a big problem for a lot of dogs, but for some dogs it is. And the main thing is, lift up the lips of your dog and have a look to see what their teeth are like. And most people don't do that. No, indeed not. No, but uh, vets are happy to do that. Uh, Michal wants to know, will you ask pet guy, do cats affect people with asthma or other respiratory conditions? Well, asthma is one of those conditions you really ought to have a doctor sitting here to answer that rather than this mm. little vet person because I don't do human medicine. But what I do know is that people with asthma tend to have multiple allergies. So there's a whole bunch of different things that can set off an attack of asthma. And um, certainly dog and cat fur, um, the, 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 the dust and so on that comes off dogs and cats can often contribute significantly to that. So, you know, if somebody has asthma, there's quite a high chance that Pets, pets will, will, will really not be a very good idea. Mm. Although I know I met somebody yesterday who has serious asthma, but they also have a cat. And when I ask them why, they say, well, I just love cats. And it's okay, as long as the cat's outside, they're fine. So they have a cat that kind of lives, spends a lot of its time outside, but it comes in and talks to them, and they just love having it around. So even if you've got asthma, often there's a way that you can have it. You animal. can negotiate around that, yeah. yeah. Uh, will you ask, uh, what is the life expectancy of a dog with PRA? His whining is constant. Uh, it's a struggle says John and Cora. Well, PRA is peripheral retinal atrophy, which right. is basically a form of, uh, of gradual onset blindness. So, you know, how, how long... I mean, um, blindness doesn't shorten an animal's lifespan at all, mm. um, necessarily. Um, so, you know, um, a dog with PRA can live as long as you're prepared to, to put up with a, with a be, blind... Can it be painful dog. for the dog? It's not painful at all. Mm. The quality of life is something that can... Be, be, be challenging mm. but then I, I know dogs that are utterly blind that have had really good lives one little dog in particular had to have both of his eyes removed because he had cataracts wow. and it was strange to do that you're kind of saying yeah, is can it you not right? take out the cataracts in, in a dog no well it was it was too complicated there was yeah. complications there yeah but it, I mean the, the funny thing is that we humans are quite happy well we accept a dog with, with which is blind that's got eyes and you can say that's okay the dog will manage but when you actually remove both of his eyes you're saying is this going too far um, even though they're exactly the same as far as dogs concerned, whether it's got eyes that aren't working or oh, no, no eyes, eyes at all. Still can't see, uh, yeah. um, but the dog with no eyes went on to live very happily for a good few years because they, they have a different perception of the world to us, don't they? They, they sniff things, they, um, um, they hear, hear things, yeah. they, they feel, mm. um, they have a good memory of, of space. Um, so once you adapt the environment around the dog so that you don't keep moving chairs into new places and so on, dogs learn about their homes especially and they can live very contented lives when they're blind. So your PRI, PRA dog, I'm not sure why he's whining, mm. could be a separate issue there. Um, and you need to look at that. It could be. Uh, I've had my Terrapin for five years, but I've never taken him to a vet for a checkup. He seems happy enough, but should I get him checked out just in case, Brendan wants to know? Well, um, I, I, I think there's no need for a healthy animal to go to the vet for a checkup necessarily. Yeah. Um, 
what I would be saying to somebody like, like that is do go online and read up about terrapin care because a lot of people make basic mistakes in how they keep terrapins. Terrapins are meant to be kept in heated tanks and they're meant to be given fresh food in a separate tank to the main tank. And that those are just two small things that can make a huge difference to the quality of life of a terrapin. Mm. So, you know, um, by all, certainly check up to make sure you're doing everything right. Lots of people make very, very common mistakes. Of course, you don't know. How do you know if a terrapin's happy enough? Or can a terrapin smile or, or <laughs> start writing letters of complaint? Uh, um, uh, do vets get upset when they put animals down? Dexter wants to know. Do they ever? I mean, you know, even when you know it's the right thing to do, mm. euthanasia is taking another creature's life. And as a vet, you become a vet because you like animals. So the last thing you want to do is to end another animal's life. Mm. It's just something that you just don't want to do. And you also have to witness the most dreadful grief that owners are going through. Somebody might have had an animal for 16, 17 years and, and, and you're, you're killing that animal. I mean, it's, it's, they're desperately upset and, and you're witnessing that. So it is one of the, one of the big emotional challenges as a vet, I, I would have to euthanize sometimes two or three animals in one day. And you have to go from this traumatic situation, which is you're getting really upset by, and next thing, the next person's coming in with a with a with a, a new puppy, and you've got to suddenly flick on the. Oh, isn't, isn't it lovely? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it, that sort of emotional um, seesaw is something that's it, it really. I think it's the, probably the biggest challenge of being a vet is coping with that sort of emotional um, turmoil. You know, and, and vets cry just like everybody else cries. And you try not to show that publicly because it's not deemed to be professional, is it? Mm. But it's part of the job. And, you know, if you if you care about your patients, unfortunately, it's kind of hard to avoid crying sometimes. Having to tell people that as well oh, must that's, be awful. Especially when they don't necessarily oh, see it coming. Certainly one of the worst things is when somebody comes in with a young adult, perhaps, and maybe the dog's got some mild sign as far as the owner's concerned and you do a test like an x-ray or something and you look at the x-ray and you say oh gosh this dog is riddled with cancer and you have to go back and say to the owner um, actually your dog's only going to live for a few more weeks and they have no idea of that at all gosh, that, yeah. that is really difficult and the, the only consolation I have is Good grief! How how could I do that if I was a doctor? How do human doctors tell parents that children are going to die? I I just can't even begin to think about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, David Mead says my dog flosses his own teeth with grass. At least that's what it looks like he's doing. That's pretty clever. If yeah, I'd encourage that. that. That's yeah. A, that's a, you, yeah. My God, you should rent that dog out to a circus. <laughs> Teach uh, other dogs to do can it. Can you ask Pete if dentist sticks are any good or just a gimmick? Yeah, they do. You do see those things advertised. Are they actually good for the teeth? Well, the, um, yes, they do work. They do work. But they're not as good as brushing your dog's teeth. The message with dentist sticks is um, ideally brush your dog's teeth. If you can't brush them, then use dentist sticks every day. And, and certainly... They don't just rub, rub against the, the pet's teeth, but what they also do is they leave a, a, um, traces of, of um, chemicals in the mouth which stop the tartar forming. There was a, a, an action taken by the, uh, by somebody through the advertising standards people against dentistics in the UK for um, saying they don't work. But in actual fact, the advertising standards turned down um, that because they looked at the evidence and they found actually, yes, there is evidence that they do work. So this is one of the situations where it's not just advertising blurb it does actually tell you the truth that things do help. So, you know, if you don't brush your pet's teeth, well, then 
Yes, East yes. Six. Uh, and uh, just go back to, on the subject of uh, a dog sleeping in the beds uh, uh, with their owners. Uh, Hello, I'm a dog, says the dog. Uh, I don't want to be in your bed. Humans are weird. We've had enough of you during the day. Give us some space. I need some time to be alone with my squirrel. Uh, Pete? Yeah. My dog talking. I, yeah, my dog's quite happy in his own bed. Thank you very much. Uh, Pete, thanks a million for coming in to us today. That's Pete Weatherburn. We'll be back with the news.